Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. In Job chapters 4 and 5, Eliphaz, the first of Job's three friends, opens up the first of three rounds of debates concerning Job's suffering. Job held the concept that he was right, and Eliphaz corrected him. Referring to Job in chapter 4, verse 17, Eliphaz asked him, Can a mortal man be more righteous than God? Can a man be purer than his maker? This is Matt Miller for the fifth program from the Life Study of Job, and Bob Danker has joined me. Bob, thanks for coming in to do this particular radio program today in Job. It's a great pleasure again to be with you, Matt. This book of Job is very mysterious, and not easily understood. Yeah, and Bob, we've come to Job chapters 4 and 5, and the title of our life study is The First of the Three Rounds in the Debates Between Job and His Three Friends. Could you paint the background before we start the radio program today? Yes, Matt. Many people have heard of the story of Job. And of course, Job was a person who was a very upright, a man of high integrity and moral standard, and yet he suffered. Uh, Firstly, he lost his family and his earthly possessions, and then he was stricken with a plague uh, on his physical body that caused him terrible discomfort and pain. And he could not understand what was happening to him. He, He simply did not have a clue about the purpose of God in allowing him to suffer as he did. And, of course, the book shows us that uh, his three friends came to visit him. And they tried to console him, but in their attempt to console him, they actually uh, tried to correct him and adjust him. And, in a sense, they accused him of having done something wrong Otherwise, why would he be suffering if he had not done something that was offensive to God and God was here, is coming in to punish him and correct him? So he needed to make some kind of correction that would allow him to be relieved of his suffering. So they were all together in the realm of right and wrong. His Job was and his three friends. So they tried to correct Job, and Job vindicated himself basically, uh, telling them that uh, he had done nothing wrong and he was upright in his integrity. And so you have these this long conversation in the book of Job, which is runs about more than 30 chapters in the book. It's just back and forth, back and forth. It seems like it's a debate. One of Job's friends would say something, and then Job would respond. It's really just like a debate. 
And this is why we call it the, the debates between Job and his friends. Well, actually, there was a purpose for Job to suffer, but the only one who knew that purpose was God. It was hidden in his heart. Although Job was a man of great integrity and uprightness and even was perfect, he says it says he feared God and he turned away from evil. We would think that a man of such high caliber would be appreciated by God. We certainly appreciate a man of such high integrity. But actually, Job had a real problem that he didn't understand, and that was that God did not create man merely to fear God and not to do something wrong. God did not create man for this purpose. God created man to express God. And in order to express God, man has to receive God into him as life so that God and man could be joined together and mingled together as one. Man needs to receive God into him as life and be joined and mingled together with God as one. Then man can spontaneously, without exerting his own effort, he can live a life that expresses God as God intended. So Job did not understand this, and it really it wasn't made clear to God's people until the New Testament time when Paul came and revealed God's economy in his writings. So this could be a, considered a little background for this book, uh, and it brings us up to these two chapters where we have the beginning of the first round of debates between Job and his friends. Bob, that's helpful to bring it into the New Testament viewpoint with God's economy. Let's go to Witness Lee now for round one of these debates from the Life Study of Job, which was originally spoken in December 1992. Here's Witness Lee. We go on to the real beginning of all the debates in this book. The first of the three rounds in the debates between Job and his three friends from chapters 4 to 11. Now it's section 1. Eliphaz answered to Job, but by rebuking, not by sympathizing. You know, the three friends expressed that they were forced to be silent. They didn't want it, but they were forced. By whom? By the strong character of Job. The person, the being of Job was too strong. That strong person forced all the three friends to be silent. But now Job broke the silence. So right after that, one of the three friends began to rebuke. Eliphaz's rebuke firstly reminded Job of his positive condition. In the past, he was okay, but at the present time, in these seven days, Job was not right. Eliphaz's word was based on Job's perfection, uprightness, integrity in the principle of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because it says the innocent 
and the upright will never perish. Aha, Jehovah, you are so perfect. You are so upright. Are you afraid to be perished? If you are real perfect, if you are really upright, you don't need to be afraid of being perished. Right? No perfect person, no upright people will perish. This is based upon what? The tree of knowledge, good and evil. Bob, we ended here on this section with Witness Lee on the matter of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and that's where the advice from Eliphaz was coming from. In yesterday's program, we also introduced these two trees, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life from the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 2, and how Job was according to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he was not according to the tree of life. Now Witness Lee is talking about his friend's comments, also being from the wrong tree. Could you explain this matter of the two trees again and how it applies here for our listeners? Yes, Matt. I feel that the matter of these two trees is one of the most important things that the Bible reveals. Of course, the tree of knowledge and the tree of life are mentioned in the beginning of the Bible. After God created man in his image and according to his likeness, and he created a spirit within man so that man could receive God, who is spirit. God is spirit. Man has a spirit to receive God into him as life so that God and man can be joined and blended together as one. Well, uh, after creating man, God put him in a garden, and there were many trees in the garden, but the Bible mentions only two of them. That is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And then God gives Adam a very strong warning. He told him, Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And, of course, we know the record that follows. The serpent, who was Satan disguised as a serpent, came to Eve to tempt her, and she and Adam partook of the tree of knowledge. And the principle of the tree of knowledge is that man lives by what he knows, concerning good and evil. He, he exercises his natural strength and energy to do what is good according to what he knows about good and evil. When he lives in this way, man basically ignores God and puts God aside and lives independent from God. But this is not the way God intended for man to live. There is a great revelation here that if we could see it, it would revolutionize us, I would say, and that is that God wants us to express him and him alone, not anything, any kind of self-righteousness or integrity or perfection that we could produce in ourselves. In order for us to express God, we need to take God into us. And so the tree of life represents God himself in Christ as life to us in the form of food. This shows the kind of relationship that God wants to have with man. He wants man to 
take him in as spiritual food. Of course, not physical food, but spiritual food, so that God himself could be assimilated into man's being, his inner being, and thereby become one with man. In this way, man is able to live a life that expresses God spontaneously because God is living in him, not because he is exercising his own effort and strength to build up his own righteousness. There's a vast difference between this one kind of living, the living by the tree of life, and another kind of living, the living by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Of course, God wanted man to live by the tree of life, but Satan wanted to frustrate God in his purpose, so he seduced man to take the other tree as the source of his living. Bob, that's helpful. Let's go back to Witness Lee for a lot more practical fellowship. And if I'd corrected you, do you think you can be more righteous than God? Can a man be purer than his speaker? And this means what? This means you held this kind of concept. You are more pure than God your maker. If you think so, you are so foolish. And Father's logic concerning man's standing before God was based on ethics, which did not come up to the standard of the divine revelation in the New Testament. He should have asked Job, Job, have you received God more? You may say, Brother Lee, how could people 4,000 years ago think this way? You are right. At that time, the divine revelation has not reached that level. Antiphas warned you not to be the fool slain by vexation. And this tells us Job was just mad. You know, his words in chapter 5, how do you think about it? Very poetic, right? To me, this is all a waste of words. <laughs> I appreciate the poetry, the poetic composition, but I hate the waste of time in talking this way. His friend was suffering there, yet he had the pleasure in composing such a poetry. <laughs> you may love this, right? But I ask you, when you go to speak for the Lord, don't speak this way. <laughs> Job is there under the suffering, and you, Eliphaz, talk is another realm. You are not in the same realm. So your talk is in vain. These are words of vanity. Very good poetry. They collect a lot of things. Things from the mountain, things from water, things from the air, a lot of things. But nothing could be any bit of help to do. Well, obviously, Eliphaz was not helping Job with all of his poetic talk, even though he was happy to give it. Bob, if we're really going to learn how to speak for the Lord, 
How can we render the proper help to people when they are suffering? This is really a difficult matter, Matt. Of course, when we encounter someone who is suffering, especially a believer is suffering, because we hope and we expect that a believer would enjoy a smooth life of joy and peace and would not suffer so much. But it seems that God allows his people, the ones who believe in Christ, to suffer in their life, some very severely. And of course, the question always comes, why? Why am I, or why is this one who I'm close to, why is he suffering? And when we go to visit people who are in a suffering situation, of course, we want to sympathize with them and do our best to show them that we are sharing in the pain of their affliction. But still, that doesn't give them the answer. And then we may try to go further, and we may try to help them to realize something related to the reason why they are suffering. And here is where we can get onto the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, especially if we relate their suffering to something that they must have done wrong or to God being angry with them and wanting to punish or discipline them through their sufferings. If we speak to people in this way, we probably won't comfort them, and we will certainly lead them to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because they will try to find out what they did wrong, and they will do their best to be better, which is altogether against God's economy. When we speak to people who are suffering, or we consider our own sufferings, we should move toward the tree of life and realize that in his economy, God's only desire and intention related to us is to impart himself more and more into us and mingle himself more and more with us so that we can enjoy him as our life more and more and also live a life that expresses him, whether We are in good times or in bad times. We look at the epistles of Paul in Philippians chapter 1. He was in a Roman prison in Philippi, and he said that through the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, he wanted to magnify Christ even in his imprisonment. And then he said, my earnest expectation, my hope is that I would magnify Christ whether through life or through death. So Paul didn't care about life or death. He cared only to live Christ and magnify Christ. Then in Philippians 3, Paul said that he had suffered the loss of all things, all the things that he had in his past in Judaism, and he counted them refuse or rubbish so that he might gain Christ. So these kind of verses give us the clue related to the purpose of our sufferings, that God wants us not to correct ourselves, but to gain Christ more and more. We have other portions in Paul's writings. In 2 Corinthians 4, he said that although his outer man was being consumed, his inner man was being renewed day by day. This is quite something. He was suffering in his outer man, which is his physical body, but he was being renewed in his inner man day by day. And then he said, he was being afflicted. He said, this affliction is momentary and it's light, but it's working out for me more and more surpassingly an eternal weight of glory. 
So this is Paul's view. He didn't care for the afflictions that he experienced. He only cared for gaining more of God's element, God's essence, to be wrought and constituted into his being. So when we speak to people who are suffering, we need to look to the Lord that we can help them to turn to the Lord and to experience more of his dispensing of himself into them rather than try to you know, help them to realize that they've done something wrong so that they would be punished by God. This is altogether not what is in God's heart. God's heart is only one thing, and that is to give himself more and more to us. Whether our situation is good or whether it is bad, whether we're suffering or whether we're at peace and in comfort, God just wants to give himself more and more to us. I would say this is the tree of life. We should lead people to the tree of life, and we should stay away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Which brings death. Which brings death. Let's go back to Witness Lee for the conclusion of today's Life Study program. I'm happy that we are here studying such a book. But, on the other hand, I'm a little concerned. We condemn the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But I'm a little concerned that we may add in the tree of knowledge. So you must be on the alert. Entire Bible is a book on God's eternal economy. This you shouldn't forget. In God's economy, his intention is to dispense himself into you to be your life, your nature, that you may become the same as he is for you to express him. Just this much. Then you may ask me, why, brother, you talk about stripping? and consuming. Well, God's stripping and God consuming is just tear you down. You are a man, fallen, natural. You're such a man, need to be thrown down. God has tear you down. Then God could have a base, a way to build you up. Again, God's intention is not to make a fallen man whole. No. But rather, God's intention is to tear you down and rebuild you with himself as your life, as your nature, that you could be a person absolutely one with him. So, Job's book is showing us what God was doing there. What God was doing there, just to tear Job down by two ways, stripping and consuming, that God may have a base and a way to rebuild him with God himself, that he may become a God-man. Bob, it's good to end our program today with a clear word on God's intention. Could you just give a short word on this matter of God's intention? 
Well, Matt, I feel that this short word from Witness Lee is the most helpful word to us. Job was suffering. First, he was stripped. That means he lost his children and his material possessions. So that was God stripping. And then he was plagued in his body with a disease, and that was consuming him day after day after day. What was the purpose of God in allowing this to happen to Job? Well, it was to tear Job down. Job had built himself up to be a man of integrity, moral perfection. No one in the world was better than he, but he had built himself up to be such a person. In order to fulfill God's purpose, God has to tear down that old man, that fallen and natural man, so that God can build himself into this man who has been torn down to rebuild him with God himself as his life, his nature, his element, his content, so that Job could fulfill the purpose for which he was created, and that is to express God. This is so helpful, such a helpful word to us. If we could receive this word, we would be full of joy and thanksgiving to the Lord, even when he allows us to experience a certain amount of affliction. Well, I hope, Bob, our listeners can enter into this experience in a real way and in a practical way. And it wouldn't just be a theory for them, but they could experience God's working to make us all God-men according to his economy in the New Testament. Well, if you'd like to get a copy of today's program, we encourage you to call us at 888-543-3788 or visit our website at lsm.org. On behalf of Bob Danker, this is Matt Miller. Thanks for listening today. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee ministered the Word of God for over seven decades. Many consider these life studies as his seminal work, an exhaustive commentary on the entire Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Spirit. If you'd like to find more about Witness Lee, these life study messages or any of the materials provided by Living Stream Ministry, please visit our website, lsm.org. That's lsm.org. You can also email us, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. Thanks for listening today.